Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmaurice. It feels like we haven't been on for ages. Maybe that's a good thing for you, I don't know. Um, but uh, the sun is shining. It's been about five weeks, I think, since we've done our last one. So we've, uh, let's do a little bit of catch up. I think probably we were just on the verge of diving into the transfer market, doing all our business quick, 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 getting out the Liverpool way. Um didn't seem to go that way, though. Uh, it's trundling on as we speak with less than a week to go before the start of the season. I'm joined by uh, two regulars uh, on the show and also, of course, two writers from Liverpool Echo. I've got Pat Smith on board. How are you, Pat? I'm very good, Fitz. Yeah, it's been long overdue your return to the Blood Red channel. We've missed you, Fitz. What a pod for me to return back to as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like my hamstring had tweaked there and it's all right. I've been on the... Uh, I've been on the table for a few days, getting a bit of treatment for a few weeks, but I'm back. Um, I was lovely, sunny Wales, kid. Yeah, it's good, yeah. I'm in the land of my fathers at the moment, but looking forward to getting back up to Merseyside in the northwest ahead of the Premier League season started. Excellent, hey, mate. And I'm also joined by Matt Addison. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, all good, mate. Um, looking forward to the new season. It's uh, it's come around quick, but I am ready for it, I think. I know there's a lot of negativity and nonsense on social media and stuff like that, but I'm the complete opposite. I'm ready, buzzing for it to, to get started again. And, uh, yeah, I, I, whatever happens, I'm sure Liverpool are going to be exciting. So that's that's the uh, the main thing, isn't it? Loads of attacking talent, a couple of new players. At the very least, they're going to be better than last season, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Those couple of new players are, of course, of course Alexis McAllister. And as Lobbezla, I don't know what his first name. What's his first name? Dominic. Dominic. Much easier to say. Dominic is Lobbezla. Um, both exciting players. Both great players. Both players that uh, you you could look at and say, yeah, they will look great in a red shirt. <clears throat> Let's spin it back a little bit, though. Of course, the end of the season, we let go of. Well, so far it's been seven players, isn't it? If you add into the mix, um, Henderson and Fabinho, who went for money, uh, combined between. 52 and 55 million. Um, but also, of course, uh, we lost Oxlade Chamberlain, we lost Bobby Firmino. Um, add to it, lads. Navigator, have you mentioned Navigator. them? There was another one as well, I think. I'm sure there's another one as well. Cavallo on loan, of course. So basically, the, the point I'm trying to make is five or seven outs and two ins. Um, is not how you go about strengthening a particular position on the pitch, is it? You mentioned it before uh, at the top, uh, Matt. There's been there's been a fair bit of stick on um, on, on Twitter. You'll get that, won't you? You'll get the the naysayers already doing their nays, saying their nays. Um, but we do look a little bit light in midfield, as we are um, currently saying uh, doing this podcast. Of course, Liverpool um, put in a third bid for uh, Romeo Lavia um, that has been rejected, um, and now. Uh, Chelsea have come in with a £48 million bid. Pat, I don't know about you, mate, but <clears throat> if you want to get a player and he's £50 million and they've knocked back three, you don't just, do you not just give them £50 million? I mean, it's it seems to me that um, there's a lot of last-minute kind of to and fro going on, but we need to get the business done and get them settled into the club if he's going to come, don't we, Pat? To be fair, from my point of view, I'm not sure Lavia is a £50 million player. I get why you'd maybe try and haggle the price a bit there. But one of the main sticklers for me is... You could have got him. In, I mean, you're going to have to pay 50 million either way. You know, championship clubs now are very different to championship clubs five years ago. They don't need to sell their best players when they go down because they get the massive parachute payments. They're already, you know, they're so much richer than they were a few years ago. So Southampton don't actually need to sell him. And I think Liverpool must have known that. I mean, you're haggling over five million or so. And the main reason for me is you could have the chance to embed him into the squad in the Singapore preseason tour. It's a great opportunity for him to play a few games, meet his teammates, you know, share rooms with other players and, you know, then he can play ahead of Chelsea and have an out-and-out number six because at the moment, Liverpool, of course, don't have an orthodox defence midfielder fit and ready in the squad and 
it's just baffling to me why if you think the player's good enough, pay what they want in that scenario because they clearly weren't going to budge after they rejected the first bit. I mean, I don't know why they're bothering going up in these increments and increments, and it's very frustrating. And you know, it's interesting you say the last pods we did throughout last season, Fitz, we'd always moan about how terrible the midfielders were at the time who have now all left and talk about this huge rebuild needed. Well, we've done the first half of the rebuild by getting rid of all those players who were terrible last season. But we're now going into the season with an even less, you know, even less numbers in the midfield. It's, it's baffling how we're in this situation, to be honest. It's really, really backwards thinking. I mean, obviously, the bids for Fabinho and Henderson were unprecedented. No one saw them coming. And, you know, you have to take the money on both those occasions and run. But now we're in a situation where Liverpool could be playing, you know, with one or two centre midfielders in matches this season, which is unbelievable to think at the start of the summer. As you said, we'd expected them to be typical Liverpool, you know, go in, get the business done early. You know, no one sees it coming and all of a sudden Romeo Lavia is there with a Liverpool shirt. Whereas now it's really strange to see it sort of dragged out in the news. It's really public. Every bid's been, you know, reported widely. So it's just a baffling one. I mean, Jörg Schmack has come in and it's not exactly been the cleanest of starts for him. I get why he's trying to be a bit, you know, crude and maybe, you know, trying to get the best out of every single deal. But I think on the Lavia one, Fitziada just paid the 50 and got him in before Singapore, to be honest. Well, it's just dragging on, Matt, isn't it? It's making us look a little bit embarrassing. If Chelsea do come in and just say, yeah, there's the real money, um, it's it's a bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? It makes a, It's not the Liverpool way. It's not the way we the Liverpool fans are used to their club doing business. And it just seems to be... We will be starting with... I think we've got six um, squad midfield players. Um, it's really light. You know, we saw McAllister limp off uh, with what... Turned out to be an innocuous knee knock, really. But um, if if at any point during the season a player like um, McAllister gets a knock and gets out for a bit, we're back in that terrible situation we've been in on more than one occasion now, where we just don't have the cover. Do you, do you feel? I'm very excited about McAllister. He's a great player, um, and also as Lobbers Lad as well looks really attacking, really clever. There's no doubt we've signed quality. Um, it's the quantity, isn't it, Matt? Do you feel like that we're one or two short of where we should be by now with less than a week to go? Yeah, they're, they're definitely at least one short, aren't they? I think the, the, the first thing really is that the numbers. I think we've maybe inflated in our own heads how many midfielders you need because I don't think McAllister and Savoslai are going to get injured anywhere near as much as someone like Anabi Keita, for example. Obviously, can't just pick on him. There's others as well in that midfield. So they are a little bit more robust. They're a little bit closer than maybe what some people think in terms of the actual numbers. But yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I think the, the biggest question really for me is obviously at the, the, the moment as we record this, they've not put in a, a fourth bid or they've not managed to, to do the, the deal for Romeo Lavia just yet. Chelsea obviously have, have made their offer and, and have tried to hijack it. There's all sorts of, of talk this morning, just as we record this, about Moises Caicedo. But I think that the most likely thing at this moment in time is that Lavia gets done. They come to some sort of compromise. They probably reach the 50, but it's sort of the way that that fee is structured is that they pay a little bit less to begin with. And, you know, they, they work it out. They get to the end of it and, and they work those things out. But... I think that the big question really for me in terms of, of Lavia is he's 19. He's played 29 Premier League games in his entire career. It just feels like a completely different sign into what we've seen from Liverpool in the past. It's, it's not a case of, you know, you look at any any example really of, of a player that they've spent that sort of money on. It's always been someone who's played 180, 200 games. You've got a sample size. You know what they're about. You know what their ceiling is. There's a, a bit less risk attached to it. I think... You know, to, to spend 50 million quid on a 19-year-old kid to come in and, and solve your midfield problems when you've not really got a true holding midfielder in your squad, he's going to be the one that has to come in, You know, even if he was signed before the, the Chelsea game, which doesn't appear to be the, the, the case as it stands. But you know, even if that was the case, I don't think you can just drop him in and expect him to, uh, to, to come in and, and fix that problem instantly. I think that's the, the worry really for me is that he, he's so young, he's so inexperienced, He's clearly got a very high ceiling. He's a very, very good player. There's a reason that Liverpool have, have gone, um, as we're talking now, as, as high as 46 million. You don't go to 46 million if you don't really intend to, to go to 50. So that's why I think it, it will probably get done. But it's still a risk, I think. Even if that does get done, I'd still like one more who's a little bit more experienced, who can sort of shoulder a bit of, of that responsibility because it's a massive ask for a teenager to come into this midfield and, and just be an instant fix. It, it's possible, but I think it's, you know, it's at the very least, it's a, a big ask to, to put on him. And it's probably a little bit 
well, it, it's a lot more pressure than I would like Liverpool to be going into the season with. I think if it was, you know, an experienced player, like when Thiago came in, you can just slot him in, see what he does, and, and he just sort of gets going straight away. I think with Lavia, it's you're probably looking at at least a few weeks before he starts to look comfortable, probably a few months. You know, even even when Fabinho came in, it, it took him six months to get used to it. So I think that's the, the bigger worry for me, really, is just the inexperience. It's, it, it's a lot to put on a kid. Yeah, it is. I, I think, obviously, we knew the four that were out were going out at the end of the season. We knew they were going out and freeze with Milner, of course, as well, and Cater and Ox and uh, Bobby. Um but Fabinho was a shock, wasn't it? Fabinho coming in was a shock. We didn't know about it until we woke up when he signed for us. Seems to be equally as, as much of a shock that that he, he went. Um, and Henderson as well, although obviously there were there was a lot of rumbling around the time before he decided he was going to go because of um because of some well-documented facts, you know, about his his comments for the LGBTQ plus uh, and other organizations that he seems to have, you know, sort of um turned us back on to go, to go to go over to Saudi Arabia. But they were two versatile players, weren't they, Pat? I mean, you know, Fabinho and Henderson. Um, Henderson seems like more of a shock to Klopp, I think. Klopp was a bit shocked about that, wasn't it? And I, I don't know whether that's because I think he struggled last time getting a, a decent contract or a contract that he thought was decent. So maybe this time round he's thought he's just going to go. But it just seemed that um, with those two going, it just doesn't seem to have been that much of a um, of a race on to try and get any kind of completed replacements, does the Pat? I mean, they're talking about you hear the, the names Andre Fluminense, and um, you know, now ridiculously today, there's been a Valverde one. Um, these players aren't leaving them clubs early. I don't know about Andre, I don't know much about him, but it seems to me that with four players gone and then two versatile midfield players leaving during the window, it doesn't seem to be the kind of reaction that we were expecting to try and jump on it and, and get things sorted out. Does it? it just seems to have been badly handled, Pat. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the top, it is very unprecedented. I mean, no one saw it coming. But I think the problem is more so with Fabinho than Henderson. I think Henderson is replaceable in that further midfield role. I think they sort of have replaced that position anyway because you've now got McAllister and Soboslai who play in those you know, further two forward ones. But Liverpool needed a backup replacement defence midfielder anyway. And then also you've now got a place for Bionio on top of that. I mean, in an ideal world, I think they need to sign two defensive midfielders. One, maybe Jerome Lavia, who, by the way, is a 20% sell-on clause to Man City. So if Liverpool spend 50 million on him, 10 million, that's going to go to Man City as a result of their sell-on clause. But I mean, yes, yeah, so you get Romeo Lavia in as a 19-year-old. You don't really want to go into a Premier League season with a relatively unknown. He's only got, I think Matt was saying, something like 2,000-odd minutes at senior level so far. It's really, really small sample to go off. You need someone more senior in as well, like a Sofia Namramat, maybe, though he's been linked to Manchester United. I think you need someone with experience in the defence midfield position as well, because as we've said, they're replacing the entire midfield. You're losing your club captain and your vice captain in the same transfer. That's going to have a huge impact, not only in the dressing room, but also in the midfield, because you know, as much stick as Henderson and Milner got last season, I think Milner specifically played a very important role in those early matches when Liverpool were really in trouble, I think, to Napoli, Fulham, you know, just having someone with that experience and aura in there in midfield, I know that's a word that's going to annoy some listeners, but you need those characters in your midfield, especially, especially during a period of transition. I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. And I think the problems we saw last season in the midfield are going to be exacerbated in this one with a new system they've been deploying, a lack of a defensive midfielder. It's, it's a recipe for absolute disaster. And I'm personally not even sure Lavi is the right man to fix that problem, actually, in the defensive midfield role. As much as it's going to frustrate fans if they go for Kaiseda because if you're spending 90 million, 100 million on him, why not go for Bellingham? Why not go for Rice? Why not go for Tonali? Why not go for Agate? But it's unprecedented at the time those players had moved before Fabinho was sold. So I think now Liverpool sort of have to go for Kaiseda. I mean, I think he's an instant fix to the problems. He's got some more experience playing in the Premier League. He's played with McAllister before. I'd personally avoid Lavia and break the bank for Kaiseda at this point as we're recording on Thursday morning. But who knows what's going to happen at the weekend, Fitz? It's all a bit of a car crash. And I think the start of the season is going to be exactly that as well. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, he's right though, Mass, isn't he? When Pat says that, that you, you know, if you try to if you try to be too clever about these things, they tend to blow up in your face, don't they? And, you know, McCaster was a great deal done quickly, done for a lot less than we thought. Fantastic. Slobberslaw was a bit more left field, but he's a great player um, and very quickly done. It just seems that those two, very quickly done, um, with like the only bits of action Liverpool looked like they were they were they were willing to take. With the with the um, departure of Henderson and now Fabinho as well, do you think there's a case really where Liverpool have been caught off guard a little bit, Matt? Because Amrabat is a is a player that you know he delighted in the World Cup. He, he doesn't set he didn't set the world on on fire with his club side, but he, he was brilliant in the World Cup. But these are still players that are experienced, know what they're doing, and it just seems to me that um, the, either Liverpool haven't cast their net out to enough people. Or just been completely wrong-footed um, by 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 letting go two versatile midfield players and not having the backup. Um, Lavia seems like a bit of a panic buyer, doesn't it? So these situations, if if Caicedo is going for 80, 90, 100 million pound, whatever it is, then yet again it's been a bad window in terms of bringing people in because they hadn't forward planned, and and it just seems that then you haven't to spend more money to try and stop fill the gap. Not something Liverpool like to do and have done previously is it so um it makes you wonder what what what's going on behind closed doors really doesn't it it doesn't seem to have gone as as smoothly as as uh, anyone would expect it to have no i mean I, I would take it back to last summer really i think there's there's maybe arguably been a couple of mistakes this summer but i'd rather assess that you know at the end of, of next season or certainly at the end of the transfer window and, and see what happens but the one thing we can say for sure is they should have done at least one midfielder last summer they obviously went for Germany, couldn't get him then didn't go for anybody else until they panicked and, and on transfer deadline day they they do an emergency loan which again just didn't work out was a bit of a catastrophe and obviously that that's where the problems stem from i think it's you know even if even if liverpool had have got a couple more midfielders this summer i still think there would be a case for saying they'd left it too long, they'd done too much at once. You know, obviously they couldn't have predicted that Saudi Arabia were going to come in and, and offer a huge amount of money for Fabinho. Forty million is is probably too good to turn down, but I think it's only too good to turn down once you've lined up what you're going to do next. I don't think necessarily that Saudi Arabia would have just walked away from that deal if Liverpool had just waited a couple of weeks. You could have kept Fabinho until the end of you know the end of, of this month. I think the Saudi transfer window is open a couple of weeks after the uh, the English one. So, you know, why couldn't Liverpool, for example, have just kept Fabinho, played him against Chelsea and a couple of the other teams that they got at Bournemouth and, and Newcastle? I think are both before transfer deadline day. You know, maybe you keep him until you've got somebody else in, and then you sanction that deal and, and let him go. So. I think maybe there's there's an argument in, in a couple of different ways, but it basically comes down to who they get in, doesn't it? If they get Romeo Lavia over the line, they get another centre half in. I'm pretty, you know, I'm happy at the end of the transfer window with that. At this point, I think it's a lot of change. There's a lot of things that still need to be worked out, but you know, I, I can see a lot of reasons to be excited. It, it's just a case really of what do they do next? Is this Lavia thing going to drag on even further? Are Chelsea going to do a little bit more with it? How realistic is is the Caicedo thing? I, I'm I'm doubtful on that myself at, at the time of, of recording. At least it's it's only sort of come out in the last half an hour or an hour that Liverpool have, have made contact with Brighton over that deal and possibly could go in and, and try and hijack it. But it, it still feels the most likely to me that Lavia goes to Liverpool and, and Caicedo ends up at, at Chelsea and all of the indications really all summer. Even when Fabinho left, you know there was a story at that time that. Um, Liverpool had, had asked about Caicedo then and, and the player had basically made it clear that he wanted to go to Chelsea. So if that's the case, then I just don't see a situation where Liverpool get Caicedo. If he's got his heart set for, for whatever reason on Chelsea, then I think that's that's probably going to be that. But we'll see what happens. I think as long as Liverpool manage to do something 
with the Holger midfield and centre-back by the end of this this transfer window. That, that's fine by me. It's taken a little bit longer than we'd like. It's a lot more changed. There's a lot more kind of up in the air. But I just think you've got to reserve judgment until September the 1st. 11 o'clock at September the 1st, if Liverpool are still in the position they're in now, absolutely, I'll be critical of the people who are doing the recruitment, the owners, whatever. But I think right now, there's, there's still you know three weeks to go until the end of the transfer window. Let's just see what happens. And, and hopefully, in the meantime, Liverpool can muddle through and go on and, and do a couple of bits and get a few wins on the board. And you know, it, it, it's not as if Chelsea are any less of a mess for the weekend, is it? They'll be going into this game at, at the weekend, not really knowing what they're about as well. So there could be a few weird results at the start of the season. But broadly speaking, I'm still I'm uber positive all the time. So the, the, that, that's just my mindset. I think I'll, I'll be critical when it comes to it. But that time just isn't yet. Yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around you saying Liverpool just muddle through for a bit. <laughs> it's just, I need more than muddle through, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned there as well. I mean, uh, you know, um, a defensive signing as well. We haven't had any kind of, hasn't been anything up in the air about defensive signings, has there? I don't think we've we've even we've been so preoccupied with the idea that we need some sort of holding midfield that that, that, that hasn't even been mentioned, has it, Pat? But. but that's another position, really, that needs. It's just, it's just that thing of this is very much a squad game, more so than it ever has been before, just because of the, there is, you know, there is the, the amount of pressures put on the players and the amount of, the amount of um, fitness these players have to have, the amount of games they're playing, more importantly during the season. It just seems to be more and more of a squad kind of game where you have to, you have to have backup, don't you? You have to have that strength in numbers and. Defensively in midfield um, is a struggle, and and I think the reason why people are, are getting a little bit peeved about it is because we've been here before, and that's the problem. And this is the kind of league that, if you want to take part in this league, that's one thing. If you want to have any kind of designs to win, then you have a very small window of opportunity to do that, because the teams that are up there at the top, <clears throat> Chelsea, sorry, Arsenal, have just spent over two hundred million pounds strengthening, became second. And it feels like a, it does. It does give you the impression that it feels like there's a little bit of a drift away, um, when it comes to um, when it comes to the financial side of things and 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 trying to bolster Liverpool side. So there's, the, I mean, defensively, you know, I think as um, a Calvin Ram's been sent on loan, hasn't he? So we don't even have right back cover. Uh, I know Joe Gomez is obviously one that you you, you would put there, I would imagine, but. Um, yeah, it's defensively light as well, in, in a way, Pat. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, bit of a mess as well, to be honest. Yeah, obviously, Calvin Ramsey's gone to Preston on loan. It looks like Connor Bradley will probably be the backup right back. I mean, he had a very solid preseason. I actually really like the look of Connor Bradley. He had a great season, by all accounts, from at Bolton last term. Can't say I've actually watched that much of him, but I think he looks like a very tidy player, solid enough defensively, very good going forward. You know, definitely worth a risk, I'd say, in the Europa League and cup matches. I think we'll see him there, unless he goes on loan, of course, which he may well do by the time this podcast goes out. Who knows what's going to happen there? But um, I, I agree with you, Fitzy. I think a left-sided, left-footed centre-back is, should be the absolute priority because, you know, people often underestimate the importance of having people who can play on the left and the right side at centre-half. It's not, you know, an easy position to switch in and out of, especially in a team like Liverpool, especially with this new formation they've adopted with the sort of, Three, two, five, whatever you want to call it, on the ball. I mean, you know, because Andy Robertson's often finding himself there in that left-sided role, and it depends on the opponent, of course. But Liverpool don't actually have a left-footed centre-back. Virgil Van Dijk obviously can play on the left side, but he tends to adopt the middle position. So it's just baffling to me that they've not signed anyone, even as an understudy to Van Dijk when they're not playing that exact formation. I mean, Mickey Van der Ven was one I really like the look of. He's gone to Spurs now, of course. There was Evan Ndika as well at Frankfurt. I thought he was a very tidy player. He's gone to Roma. It's, it's a similar situation to holding midfield where it was unprecedented in that sense, I suppose, that Liverpool, you know, didn't know they were going to sell Fabinho and all the available decent defence midfielders in the world had already moved by that point. But with the centre-back position, they knew at the start of the window they needed to sign someone for the left-hand side and they haven't acted upon it yet. And, you know, the market's only getting thinner and thinner. And look, I don't want to be too critical of Gomez and Matic, but they were dreadful at times last season when they came in. Joe Gomez, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get... Four games where he's probably the worst Liverpool player on the pitch, and then one game where he's the best. That's always the way it's been with Joe Gomez. You know, really unlucky with injuries. Joel Matip is a player who we all love. You know, probably one of the top cult heroes at the club right now. But his legs have gone. He's, you know, 
they're playing Greuther Furt. I know it was a friendly. I know it's only pre-season. But they got caught on the counter so many times, Matip and Gomez. It was shocking to watch, to be honest, against the second division German team, how easy it was to catch them out with, you know, simple counter-attack. And Liverpool are susceptible to those long balls over the top. Teams are going to be doing that all season. And if you're, you know, bringing in Matip and Gomez almost out of position in that left-hand side centre-half role, it's, it's you know, it's not going to end well on that front. So, it's, it's surprising they've not signed someone there, to be honest. I think we may see Gerald Quantz. I'm not sure if he's gone on loan at the time of recording either, but he's a, he's looked pretty good in pre-season. He's a good loan at Bristol Rovers, I think it was last season. Maybe we'll see some more of him this year. But yeah, as I say, Fitz, I can understand why they're maybe not signing someone in midfield as easily because it's more reactionary, but they knew the problem was there in defence. They knew they needed at least reinforcements at centre-back, let alone right-back. Matt, you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they, they need to do more, don't they? They need they definitely need a centre half. I'd be worried if they didn't get a centre back. I think, you know, Pat's right about Matip and, and the contract situation is is an interesting one. I think we knew going into the summer that if an offer came in for him, they might be might be willing to, to look at it. I think it, it's just a case of, of forward planning, isn't it? What you want from them is to do what they've done with the forward line, to be fair, is bring players in, move some of the older lads on. They've done that brilliantly. They just haven't done it in the other couple of areas. So you know, who, who is the centre-back that they can go and get? I'm not too sure. It seems like a lot of them have, have moved in the last few weeks. I don't think they would ever have gone for, for Guardiola, for example, at, at City because of the price. Obviously, Van der Ven that Pat mentions is is one of those that, again, has, has, has gone, I think, for €50 million. Euros. I think it you know it was, it was a fairly substantial amount of money for someone who, I'll be honest, I hadn't even heard of two months ago. So it, it's one of those where the market is, is just a little bit crazy. It's the same in midfield as well, to be fair, I think. You know, Rice going for 105 million. I think that could could very quickly backfire. To be honest, I think he's he's a good player, but I don't think he's absolutely transformational. Um, it, it's just it, it's hard, isn't it, to know what what good value looks looks like. Whether that's centre back, midfield, I just don't know. I don't know which way they they turn. If if they can get Lavia and a centre back done, great. As I said before, but you know, quite who that's going to be, I'm not too sure. Well, transformational is at least 250 million, I think. And uh, that's the way the prices are these days. All right, look, we've talked about that. We all know what's how, how that we know we, we all know that feeling of, of of thinking we should be doing more. But let's positively look at what we have done. The two players that were brought in, uh, McAllister, Pat, for you, um, a good sign and very, very quickly done, very, very cheaply done by the looks of it as well. Obviously, there'll be add ons and stuff, but managed to um trigger a, a, a buyout clause that um or sell on clause or whatever, that, uh, that favoured Liverpool. A good player, what do you think he brings to the team? What do you think he's going to strengthen in that midfield and uh, and, uh, and, and and adds this season? Yeah, well, I mean, our first viewing in pre-season, he's absolutely filled all the promises that we were hoping he was going to bring to Liverpool, weren't we? He's fit like an absolute glove into that midfield. You know, there's, there's absolutely no teething problems there. I think he'll slot straight in and be a huge player for Liverpool. I mean, I know it's the only pre-season, as I keep wanting to reiterate, you can't really judge a player just off that. But he's looked very impressive. The energy he brings, the legs he's got, obviously great going forward because we were screaming out last season. Liverpool had their problems with the defensive side of the midfield, but there were no goals in that team from midfield last year. I mean, I'm sure Matt's going to talk about Shabashla afterwards. But McAllister as well, you know, is, is definitely going to bring goals to the Liverpool team. And just, it's an annoying phrase, but bridging the midfield to the attack because last season that seemed so disjointed at times, it'd just be the rigid midfield staying compact because they were so scared of getting caught out as they did for most parts of the first half of the season. And then, you know, the attack sort of just doing their own thing. There's no synergy between them, especially pressing and off the ball. I think so we'll see the main difference now with this almost a front five Liverpool are going to be going into the season with, which is very exciting. It's a sort of throwback to, I think it was 2017-18 season where, you know, we we're just sort of seeing that clop era of domination start where they were just going gung-ho and every match was 4-2, 5-3. I think we're going to be in for a lot of that, definitely the first half of the season. So it's, it's going to be great going forwards. I think McAllister, strangely, is probably one of the most defensively proficient players they've got in midfield at the moment, which is quite worrying going into a season saying that. But it's you know it's no skin off his nose. He's looked very solid off the ball as well. He's very aggressive. He's got that Latin temperament of getting stuck into a tackle as well. Definitely not one to shirk one. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see how he gets on for Liverpool this season. And you know, I think he's going to bring a lot to that midfield more than you know any other signing could have done, to be honest. Yeah, it was much needed, wasn't it, mate? And one of those, Matt, that when, when he when he came through, uh, rubbing your hands together because he just feels like that kind of Mascherano type, uh, but with a bit more going forward, but tough, 
um, gets into a challenge well, and uh, he, he's going to really balance that midfield out, isn't he? And, and, and uh, obviously, at the times when he goes forward, he's going to have to have cover. But um, he just links that last third up, doesn't he? Well, with the with, with the attacking options we've got, and he's got a clever brain, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's brilliant, isn't he? I think he can play in a few different roles as well. I think we'll probably see him play as a holding midfielder at the weekend out of, of necessity. But he's much much better going forwards, like all of the the other players that Liverpool have got. And he's just you know a, a joy to watch. I think in, in pre season we've seen a little glimpse of him. I think there's a lot more to come from him. I think. He's the one that will hit the ground running. I think that the big advantage really is that he's played in the Premier League before. He's obviously got that experience. I think Sebastian might take a little bit of of time to adapt. I think he'll be brilliant as well. But I think you know straight away that the first impact that you'll see is is McAllister. And yeah, he's he's just good at everything that Liverpool's midfield wasn't good at last season. He's got all of the attributes that we were looking for. Absolute steal of a price as well. You know, thirty-five million quid for a player of, of that quality and that experience. I, I don't think there's you know a, a better value for money signing across the, the Premier League this summer. So, yeah, every box ticked. It's just a case now of, of making sure that you've got the players around him to get the best out of him because you'll only see the best out of McAllister and Sabozlai if they've got a proper player behind them rather than you know trying to cut corners and, and do stuff like that. I think you know if, if Liverpool can get another couple of players. They'll have a, a really, really exciting team. And Alexis McAllister is, I think, under the radar, one of my uh, my top picks, really, for who might be Liverpool's player of the season next season. I think he's he's got the ceiling to get that good. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. And Zlobos lies, he's got number eight shirt, doesn't he? Yeah. But what kind of role will he play then uh, for you, Matt? And then I'll come to you, Pat, and ask the same thing. Because uh, you know the last couple of seasons he was on the wing, wasn't he, uh, for his previous club, and, and 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 he's going to be asked to be more of a central player now, isn't he? So what what do you think he provides with McCarster in midfield? Is he the man darting forward? We've got obviously we've got Gakpo there as well, who's 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 shown on more than one occasion that he, he can do the Bobby role of of dropping back, picking up balls, running with them as well, and, and linking up the front, uh, the front two or front three. Um, so where do you think Slobber's line lies? Where do you think where do you think his best position is going to be and what he's going to do for the for the team? Well, it's interesting because I when he when he signed, I assumed that if you think of, of the two players who are more advanced in the midfield, it would be McAllister on the left and Savoslai on the right. But it's been the other way around really in pre-season, which I think is is an interesting one to, to keep an eye out for. But he can basically play on either side. He can play as a forward. Like you say, he's played on the wing for Leipzig in the past. Um, but basically one of, of those kind of two number 10s really that supplement the, the attack you know, the, the quality that Liverpool have got in the attack. You think someone like him or, or McAllister will be able to, to get into those little pockets of space and, and, and put the balls into the right areas. And I think he's he's got lots of, of abilities in terms of his attacking and obviously his shooting, his, his crossing, his set pieces, all of those things are going to come to the fore. But I think for me, one of the biggest things is he just loves to put a tackle in. He's brilliant at pressing. So many times last season we saw... You know, I think back to the, the Real Madrid game where I think it was Henderson and, and Bajetic both just let a player run off them in midfield, didn't put a tackle in, just didn't take a yellow card. You know, already Sabosley at, at least once, maybe twice during pre-season has just got put his foot in, stopped a counter-attack and, and just done a little bit of the this sort of dirty work that you don't really associate with a player like that. I think he's he's going to offer a lot of physicality. He's a lot taller and a lot more physical than I think a lot of people realise as well. He's He's got you know, lots of, of threats in different ways. He's he's almost the perfect midfielder, I think, for, for Liverpool. He's going to do a lot in terms of the goal scoring and, and that sort of thing. It wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he got close to, to 10 goals this season. Um, obviously, assists and creativity and all the rest of the stuff as well. But I think that the real, the real difference is going to be off the ball. Liverpool have got someone in there now who physically can do what Jurgen Klopp demands. And it is a lot, but I think he is definitely capable of doing that. Absolutely. And now, of course, we, we, when we look at the front five, whatever you want to call them, um, there's a lot of um, selection headaches, really, for Klopp, isn't it? I mean, we've got, you know, Diaz, Nunes, Salah, Gakpo, Jota. Do you think this is another season that's going to be one that um, Jota finds on the bench coming off and trying to impact play? Or do you think you see him in a lineup? Do you think it's one where it depends on what kind of team we're playing, what kind of setup? Or would Klopp, do you think, Pat? want to go with. You've got your obviouses, haven't you? You've got Salah and you've got Diaz, which he's going to want. I mean, they're two absolute craftsmen on the wings, aren't they? Um, 
but it's that third place, isn't it, there? And and it's Gakpo, Nunes and Jota that are going to be fighting out for that third place, really, there, isn't it? Do you see a rotation there, or do you think Klopp's going to try and find that front through and stick with it as much as he can? I mean, it's a great problem to have, isn't it, going into a season? Because last year, obviously, Diaz and Jota were injured for practically the whole season. Um, yeah, as I say, it's a great problem to have because you can pick each player depending on the opponent, really, because they've all got different strengths, which you know, can be on a game-by-game game basis whether you do choose it. I mean, I don't even know if Jurgen Klopp knows who is, you know, Champions League final starting three hours to use that, you know, question because it would literally depend on the opponents. I think Diaz offers you that whipped, obviously, maybe not as much goal threat as Diogo Jota does because, look, Jota can often be the worst player of the front three in attack on the pitch and if you're looking at him playing, but then end the match with the brace and an assist. You know, it's, it's what he does. It's, it's how he works. Um, Cody Gakpo, as well as you were saying there, maybe we'll see him dropping into an actual midfield role due to the lack of numbers there. I mean, just to add to Shobos, like Matt was saying as well, I mean, it's a perfect Jurgen Klopp signing of, you know, you look at Gino and Alden players he's used in the past who have played that wide or in a number 10 role and he turns them into centre midfielders and that's where they really thrive. You know, physically powerful, strong runners, obviously very technically proficient because they've played in that number 10 winger role. I think we may even see Cody Gakpo eventually drop into a midfield position like Sobosla. Like. It really wouldn't surprise me because he's a he's a huge physical presence. You know, Gakpo's six foot three, Sobosla is six foot two. I think we maybe will see them even dropping deeper, not necessarily in a Firmino role. But um, yeah, of course, Nunes as well. He's had a good preseason. Lots of goals. Great to see. You know, his problem last season was he looked very rushed. He looked very desperate to get those first Liverpool goals. And he was almost, you know, overrunning every chance. He was snapshotting when he didn't need to, a bit more composure. And we've seen that this preseason, a lot more composure from Nunes. I think he'll probably be the one that is coming off the bench to start with in most of the matches. I think it'll be between Diaz, Gakpo and Jota for the other two positions. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting ahead of Chelsea. I'm not really sure about you two, but I've got no idea which country I'd be picking for Chelsea. It is a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, Nunes... He's one of them players who who is seems to be remembered for the misses rather than the goals, but his his stats weren't weren't bad at all last season. Um, you get the feeling, though, Matt, don't you, that there is a little tiny bit of behind the scenes conjecture and 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 worry that he's 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 going to carry on the way he did. I mean, because you know, if you if you score one and miss seven, that's fine, but if you miss eight, um. Then, then, then the questions are asked, and I, and I love him. I think he's a great player. His energy is incredible. You just hope, as Pat just said, you just hope that um, uh, that he's just going to settle down a bit now. He's had a bit more time in the sides. He's had a bit more time pre 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 season to get used to everyone, to get to get used to his environment. Um, and one of the goals he scored pre season was was one that he he, he almost he should have hit. But he, he instinctively tried to knock it to Salas. It, it ended up back to his foot and he did that, end up scoring it. But his initial thought was, I better give this to someone else. And you feel like he's got to lose that, hasn't he, Matt? He's got to lose that feeling of, oh, I need to put this somewhere. It's only a confidence thing, obviously. But the moment he gets into that thing where he says, this is mine, no one's having that. The kind of Salah mentality of, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is pass. If I need to, I will. But if not, I'll have a strike. We need that from Nunes from the start, don't we? Because then he will become lethal. Yeah, I think it, it will come in time. Like you say, he scored 15 times last season in a poor Liverpool team that didn't really score loads of goals and wasn't particularly free-flowing. And I think, you know, this season, hopefully Diaz and Jota can stay fit and they can help out because you know, there, there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders, the price tag, the comparison to Erling Haaland, the, all the, the rest of, of the stuff that came with the move, I don't think helped with him. But, the fact that they've got other players now who can score goals, I think it, it should help him. He, he should know that Liverpool are going to create loads of chances. He's got better quality around him to help him out. And, and hopefully he just, just take a little bit of time and, and do that. But I'm pretty sure that he'll score more goals than what he did last season. He's not going to be any worse than he was then. And if he scores more than 15, that's that's a good season, isn't it? So th- there's so much so much quality, so much options really for, for Liverpool. I'd, if you had to rank the five, I'd definitely have Darwin Nunez fifth and Mohamed Salah first, but I'm not quite sure on the three in the middle. It's it, it's one of those that can change very quickly. And, you know, even if Darwin Nunez doesn't start, I'm pretty sure he won't start at the weekend against Chelsea, but he will come off the bench if he could just get a goal or he could do something. Like you say, it could just ignite him and, and go on a little bit of a run. But what we've seen from him 
at all of his, his previous clubs is that it's took a little bit of time with him, but the second season he's really started to, to kick into gear. So I'd be I'd be optimistic, I think, on on him. I was hoping to see a little bit more during preseason. I thought he might have been a little bit more instinctive and, and come back a little bit more confident, but I think it will just take one moment. And if that can come sooner rather than later, that'd be great. But if not, no pressure. There's four other players that can score loads of goals as well because it wouldn't it would not surprise me, as strange as this sounds, if four out of the five forwards ended up with twenty plus goals this season. So Liverpool shouldn't be shouldn't be short of, of options in terms of the goal scoring. Oh, say the line on Diaz and Jota as well, Matt. Say the line. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, no one likes to hear it, but they will be like new signings, won't they? Yeah, they will be like new signings. <laughs> right, right, geez. Well, that'll be four new signings then, not just the two. Um, we uh, we it all kicks off thirteenth, uh, of course, on Sunday at. Uh, half past four, um, you know, baptism of fire in it for, for a lot of these players um, going away to Chelsea for the first game of the season. Uh, how do you fancy? How do you fancy the lineup, Pat? How do you fancy how they're going to play again? Them? I'll, I'll just run off the first six games. Uh, we've had easier starts, I must admit, but there is that argument as well. I always say that if you're going to get the big teams, get them at the start, get the first game at the way at the start because everyone's. Finding the feet, okay. Who they are? Uh, City notoriously slow starters. Um, so Chelsea away. Uh, but we then have a uh, 19th of August, uh, day before my birthday. Just like giving you the heads up, lads. Thank you very much. Um, Liverpool, Bournemouth, 27th of August is Newcastle, Liverpool. That's going to be away as well. That's going to be a very interesting game. See how those two games, see how those two teams have pre season strengthened and weakened. Uh, Liverpool Villa at home, 3rd of September, and then we've got Wolves and uh, away, and then West Ham at home. But Chelsea, to start off with, Pat, um, as I say, baptism of fire, but you think the lads are ready for it? What kind of formation do you see? And the whole thing that everyone's talking about, of course, is what is going to be doing, what is going to be happening with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, this Is it the three at the back and him roaming round, or is it going to be the four... Um, and he stays rigid. How do you see that going, Pat? Mm, I mean, there's lots to talk through for this one, isn't it? I mean, first and foremost, I think we'll finally be glad to see a goal in a Liverpool-Chelsea game because I think there almost certainly will be this time round. Although, on the other side of that, it could be the ideal opener for like a pre-season match, a routine, nil-nil, nothing happening. I mean, it could either go that way or it could be, you know, five-all. Who knows what's going to happen? I think both sides are in a big period of transition. Um, I- I'd be starting, yet yeah, for the classic, you know, 4-3-3 off the ball and 3-2-5 on it with Trent inverting. I think I'd still be opting for that. It's, I think the back, I think the defence obviously picks itself, you know, Van Dijk, Canate, Robertson, Trent, Arsenal and goal, of course. It's the midfield is where it gets interesting because, as we've said, there's no defence midfielder at the moment. And it's, do you play Alexis McAllister there or do you play Curtis Jones there? I'd personally be interested to see Curtis Jones playing there. He did very well for the England under-21s. I know it's a completely different level to be playing at. And he's playing as part of a two, but I'd be sticking Curtis Jones in there and making sure that he gets plenty of help from McAllister and Shabosla in front of him. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be going completely gung ho for this one. You know, go out there, try and score some goals, see what happens. Look, we know it's going to be poor defensively. I don't think anyone's expecting a masterclass defensive performance. I think we just want to see a lot more creativity and attack, especially from the midfield, because that's what the Liverpool fans are missing last season. Look, the results were terrible last year. I don't think the results are going to be necessarily much better this season, but if they're playing attacking football and every game's finishing, you know, as I say, really high scoring, draws, wins, losses, as long as it's exciting football, I'd rather watch that than watch them lose, you know, 2-0 to Brentford or whatever it was last season. Those awful, awful 1-0 away losses that we saw so many times last season. You think of Forest and Bournemouth. God, like, you know, imagine they'd have had a Soboslar and McAllister in the midfield then, even Curtis Jones, the way he's playing now. So, yeah, I think we're definitely going to finally see a goal in Liverpool, Chelsea. Go. I think the last one was it was it December or January in 2021 or 2022. I think Kovacic scored that ridiculous 30 yard volley, didn't I? I think that's the last time we saw a goal between the two sides. So, you know, hopefully it can be a bit more of an exciting opener. But um, yeah, as you say, for the rest of the opening fixtures, it's it's not a terrible start. I mean, Newcastle away is going to be a bit tricky. They've of course got Champions League though to you know contend with and basically take over their season. I'm not massively worried about the other fixtures, but yeah, hopefully. They can go to Chelsea because, of course, them themselves have got a big transition under Pochettino going on. So maybe Liverpool can capitalise upon them, you know, basically completely lacking any synergy together. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's that in the mix as well. They're brand new. Uh, you don't see. I think. I think. I think Pat's called it map, but you don't see um, uh, anyone else in midfield apart from Casas Jones there. Um, if, if, with any kind of experience, I mean, Machetic um, just doesn't have the experience. Does he play very, very well? Long-term injury last season. You can't imagine him putting him in there for the game against Chelsea, can you? So, you think it would be a, a case of. Curtis Jones, but very much with a mind to saying to McAllister and uh, Robert Sly, keep an eye on him and make sure he knows what he's doing and stuff and give him a bit of support. Yeah, Bajetic hasn't played any minutes in pre-season, has he? Him and Thiago still coming back from their injuries, so I don't think he'll be a case maybe until the, the first international break that we properly start to see those two, just because you know, they're, they're not going to want her to rush, particularly Bajetic, when you think of his age, you're not going to want her to rush that back. So, yeah, for, for Chelsea, it's it's probably a case of, of either McAllister or Jones. I think it was interesting that we saw McAllister play there on Monday against Darmstadt. Obviously went well, but Darmstadt, Chelsea, very different teams, very different levels of, of threat. Um, so I think it'll be one of, of the two, possibly both of them as well. Jurgen Klopp did hint that there might be a little bit of a, a change in terms of the formation. It, it won't be quite so gung-ho and, and open against Chelsea. I think they might do something a little bit different, maybe go for a bit more of a, a 4-2-3-1 or something like that, just to give whoever it is that has to play in that more defensive role that's a bit more used to playing, a bit more attacking, a little bit of, of support and, and help. So. I think I've got a bit of a theory in terms of the, the Trent role and, and the, the kind of back three and being very attacking. Liverpool were very, very poor against the, the bottom sides, particularly away from home last season. So I wonder whether we might see that formation against maybe the, the bottom 13 or 14 teams. And, and maybe when you play Chelsea or City or, or teams like that, they go back to a little bit more of, of the 4-3-3 and are a little bit more like what they used to be. So... Yeah, for, for for Chelsea and for Newcastle in the opening run, it'd be interesting to see which way they go. But I think the, the big the big thing that gives me optimism, I think, for next season is that it shouldn't be that hard for Liverpool to improve on the one 0 defeat to Nottingham Forest or losing two one at home to Leeds. If you sort out those and you win most of the games against the lesser teams, suddenly they're going to shoot up the table. And you know, they, they finished fifth last season. If they finish fifth again, that's probably going to be enough for the Champions League this time around. So. That's that. That's kind of where my optimism stems from. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Also, of course, we, before we go, we, we we must point out that one of the things we've lost um, in 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 offloading um, Jordan Henderson is that ability to talk on pitch, the ability to keep the team going, shouting and praising, and also scolding a little bit as well. That's going to be gone. I mean, we've got Virgil Van Dijk as, as captain. Do you think, Matt, just before we go and then we'll get a score prediction from the two of you, do you think that's something Trent can maybe do more? I mean, the thing is about Van Dijk, he's a, he's a great player, but he's not a very vocal person. As he doesn't seem very vocal. He doesn't seem to be the kind of person who can... And further up the pitch, you're going to need someone to do it as well. Do you think this is vice-captaincy is something that Klopp is doing uh, for Trent to have a go at people, maybe to keep that kind of communication going? Because it's vitally important and it's a huge thing. It's a huge loss. With um with the with the uh, the, pass, the passing on of of uh, Jordan Henderson, yeah, it's a massive loss, isn't it? I think it's it, it's a great thing for Trent to have that. I think there was a pretty strong argument to give him the captaincy. Actually, I'm I'm not surprised that they went with Van Dijk because he's done it so many times and he's obviously that little bit older. But I think it, it, it we we've seen it in the past with other players. You know, it, it elevated Steven Gerrard when he got the captaincy. He got another level to his game he was able to, to kick on and I think Trent at times over the last few years has, has almost needed something extra to think about I think that's why they've gone with this new role for him it gives him a little bit more to, to sort of concentrate on something new to think about he's, he's been around for a long time now I know he's only only 24 but he, you know he's, he's been in that position he needed a little bit of evolution and obviously the captaincy or, or vice captaincy and you know, being able to be a bit more of a, a leader, I think, will will help. It is a big loss to lose Henderson, Fabinho and Milner in terms of that experience in one summer. But at the same time, you've still got Alisson, Van Dijk, Robertson, Salah. You know, there's other players that have been there a little bit of time now. Diogo Jota, for example, not necessarily a natural leader, but, you know, he's, he's been at Liverpool long enough to, to be comfortable. Even someone like Saboslai is, is very young, but he's the captain of his country. So I'm not massively worried in terms of that. I think, you know, Henderson will be will be a big loss but I think Liverpool have, have got to, to move on at some point there's probably an argument they probably should have done it a little bit sooner and maybe not done it all at once but it is what it is I think that, that there's there's enough there to make me reasonably confident that they can uh, can cover up for that loss 
And sorry, just to, sorry if it's doing, just to add on to that as well, I think that's another huge positive in McAllister signing because he seems pretty vocal from what we've seen so far in pre-season. But there's the bonus of Luis Diaz, English isn't great. Darwin Nunes basically speaks no English. So having a Spanish-speaking and English-speaking midfielder in there is going to be huge for Liverpool this season. I mean, that's, you know, that's a sort of forgotten thing that McAllister is definitely going to bring when, you know, those two sometimes can look a bit isolated, particularly Nunes, who clearly doesn't speak the language. There's that goal they conceded against Forrest last season where he didn't have a clue what was going on. So if you've got McAllister in there, you know, bilingual with Spanish and English, that's going to be a huge help communication-wise and can sort of ease the transition away from losing Henderson and Milner. Yeah, absolutely right. Another thing as well to put into the pot is that if we did last season, if one of the factors of, of, of the season we had was the hangover of the season before, we're nearly winning the quad and not quite. And then, and you can totally get how that must have affected That's gone. That's gone now. They'll be hungry again. We've got a couple of new players in the mix, quality players in the mix. And I think the attitude's going to be fantastic from uh, from Sunday onwards. OK, Pat, quick prediction for the score. Nice and easy one to, to, to start with. Uh, Chelsea against Liverpool. What do you fancy, kid? I'm going to go 5-3 to Liverpool. Oh, <laughs> one of them seasons. Yep. Uh, feels like it could be, kid. Certainly the three bit. Let's hope the five bit's right. Uh, Matt? Ah, opening days are always hard, aren't they? I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I was going to say it was an exciting 2-2, two, two, but Pat's sort of taken the uh, the excitement <laughs> out of that Pat, with his, his prediction. I'll say Pat's extraordinary 5-3 from your 2-2. Two, two. I'll say 2-1 Liverpool. I don't, think, um, I don't think it's going to be a goal fest. I think a lot of it is going to feel about, it's going to be that feeling of who wants to, show their hand first and um I think that can sometimes end up being a bit of a stalemate kind of but I, I fancy us for two but just because of that threat we've got up front possibilities are going to nick one back five three to Pat two two to Matt and two one to me Neil Fitz that is all blokes thank you very very much nice to see you thank you uh for coming back for the first one and uh, fingers crossed we have lots of really positive podcasts from um, from us and all the other podcasts as well in the season to come thank you very much boys Lovely being on, Fitz. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the nil-nil at the weekend now. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, we're going to get loads of goals this season. So, at the very least, even if Liverpool aren't winning things, they will at least be scoring. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, listen, wherever you are, uh, thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for downloading all the pods. Keep listening and keep sharing the ups and downs with us all. I'm Neil Fitz and this was Poetry in Motion. Come on, the Redmen! You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.